Pirkeyavos, we're at the end of Mishnah Vav in the second in the second barrack. This is a very important Mishnah. It's it's uh, it's something which all of us know instinctively. This passage comes from Hill that says, "Of a makom nashim, and a place where there are no people, hishtadel lihios ish." A person should attempt to be a man. Chazal tell us that the word ish means somebody who's distinct. Now, the word ish could also be somebody who's distinct for not good, but ish means also somebody who's who's distinct for being good. So, you know, our history is replete with people who were who were distinct and and did things even though it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't popular. Avram Avinu is called Avram Ivri, and Chazal tells Rashi quotes the reason why he's called Avram Ivri. Ivri means Aver, he's standing on the other side, which means the whole world was of one philosophy, but Avram had a different philosophy, which is fascinating if you think about it. All of us care for what other people think of us. I certainly do. I care. I care what other people think of me, the what our neighbors think of us, what our friends think of us, how we are looked at in base matters. Take a look at uh, how much money people spend. On, 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 on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, on, on Sukkot even, to get an aliyah in shul. Now, it's a good thing, people giving money to a base matters, to a base knesses, to get an aliyah in shul, but we want people to have a certain image of us, a certain, a certain look at us. And Avram Avinu didn't care. He certainly was a human being, and, and how people looked at him certainly was a factor but he conquered that fact. He wasn't, wasn't interested in it. What was more important to him is in what was emmas, what was correct. So Ramavinu did what, what, what nobody else did, and he believed in, and he worshipped HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even though the rest of the world did not do that. And Noach, who has a greater merit than Noach, Noach saved the entire world. Everybody's life today, in a sense, in a very real sense, is due to the tzitkis, the greatness, the holiness of Noah. Noah, as Chazal tell us, felt that he couldn't deal with the people of the generation. So he stepped aside. He created his own little society based on his own family. And eventually they were saved and they were brought into the Teva while the rest of the world, unfortunately, was destroyed. So the Mishnah tells us, person should be a man. By the way, Ish does not only mean man, it means woman also. It just means stand up for what is right. The, the, the biggest proof of that would be Esther. Mordechai tells Esther, Esther was scared to go into Achashverosh because the Persian rule was that anybody who walked into the king and was not called to come into the king would be killed. And Esther said, I wasn't called into the king for 30 days. And Mordechai encouraged her to do that. He said, who knows if for this moment alone to save the Jewish people, you are, you were promoted to be the queen. And Esther did go into the king and she invited him to the meal together with Haman, the rest is history. So due to Esther, the Jewish people were, what, what, the entire Jewish people were saved. We were saved because, because of her. I, I'll tell you, I want to tell you a, 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 a terrific story, a, a really terrific story, having to do with, with the responsibilities of the day. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at right now an emblem for Hatzalah. I assume that's Andre Reutemann. I know Joseph is part of Hatzalah, which is in a situation where there aren't any people or there aren't enough people 
who could who could help help people's lives, then you got to step forward. You've got to you got to do what you can. So even though you might not be the best at it, but if nobody else is doing it, you got to you got to do what you can. So the, in in the in in the late twenties, there was a a gathering of rabbanim in Warsaw, I believe, and because of his greatness and of his age, the Chavetz Chaim was asked to speak first. And he spoke in the morning, and his theme during this during this this uh, gathering of rabbanim was that the 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 Haskalah, the the movements which are dividing and destroying the Jewish people are taking over from Klal Yisrael, taking over. And every person, every Rav, has to reach out to people who are devoid of Torah and mitzvahs, who are not involved, who are straying from the path of Judaism, and bring them back. you got to spend your time not just learning Torah, but you got to spend time teaching Torah, not just teaching on a higher level, Tosvos and Rambam and Halacha. you got to give elementary classes and trying to draw, to draw people in who ordinarily would not be involved in Judaism. And he finished the speech, and other people went on during the course of the day to speak. During the afternoon, Chavetz Chaim made an unusual request. He asked to speak a second time, which is unusual. But let's face the facts. Who is going to deny the Chavetz Chaim his request? So they agreed that he should speak again. And he said, during the course of the afternoon, I... I had spoken with many different Rabbanim, and I hear a common theme. I'd spoken earlier about the need to reach out to people and draw them closer to, to Yiddishkeit, to Judaism. And I heard from Rabbanim that they feel that they're not worthy of doing it. The Chazal tell us that a person who is worthy to rebuke others is one who is pure in his own actions. And the Rabbanim over here, as great as they are, feel that they are not pure in their own actions, and therefore they are not worthy of rebuking others. He said, I I disagree. And I'll I'll give you an example. He said, once there was a very wealthy businessman and his business took him to a certain area and he stopped by uh, a small village and some balabas invited him into his home and served him a cup of tea and he accepted he sat down for the cup of tea and he drank it. And when he got to the end of the cup of tea, he noticed that there were grains on the bottom. And he looked at it and he said, well, what is this? What did I just drink? And the host said, I apologize. The water over here is not the cleanest. And in every cup of water, there's going to be some dirt. There's going to be some 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 schmutz, some sand. So the, the Balabas, the owner said, I, I, don't, I don't know why you, you have to put up with this. Why don't you just buy pumps and filters and filter the water of the well and you'll have clean and pure water. He said, well, we can't afford it. So the this, this wealthy man said, I'll donate the pumps, no problem, but I don't want anybody using the water. No one should use the water without the pumps. And true to his word, when he went back home, he sent money and workmen, and they, they installed fancy pumps in the town's well, and people were able to drink water that was pure and that was clean. A while later, his business brought him down to this village again, and he was shocked. He saw that a good portion of the village had burned to the ground. It was, it was obviously a fire, and it burned to the ground. And he approached that same Balabas who had invited him earlier for a cup of tea. And he said, what happened? I'm so sorry to see that you had a fire. And 
And the man said, well, the truth is it's really your fault. I said, my fault, how is it my fault? He said, well, when the fire broke out, we remembered your warning never to use water that's not been filtered. So we filtered all the well water through the pumps and the pumps don't work that quickly. The filters don't work that quickly. And we only had a limited amount of water and we couldn't put out the fire with the purified, with the purified water. If we wouldn't have had the pumps, we would have been able to put out the fire, it wouldn't have been a problem. So the man looked at them and said, you idiots. <laughs> he said, I told you to filter the water when you're drinking it. But when there's a fire in the town, use anything that you could to extinguish the water. There's no difference between clear water and dirty water. Just use it and extinguish the fire. And said the Chavetz Chaim, in our generation, there is a fire of apicorsis, of, 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 uh, of the different isms, socialism and communism and Buddhism and all the different things that destroy Klal Yisrael, secular Zionism, all the things that destroy Klal Yisrael and take us away from Torah. And we can't use pure water to put out that fire. There's simply not enough water to go around. Any kind of fire, any kind of water is good to put out that fire. That was what he told them. And by saying so, he began the modern Kirov movement of, of today. And the fact of the matter is, I once heard this from my uncle, Rav Noah Weimark. I didn't hear it from him directly, but I heard it from him. Or maybe I did hear it directly from him, but I don't remember anymore. But it, it certainly said over in his name, he said that when, a sh when, you're, when you're at sea and there is there, there's a ship and the ship has holes in it, you take anything that you can to bail out the water and throw it over the side. You don't say I have to have a pristine vessel to use. Anything could bail out water and, and, and throw it over the side. And if Cl the ship of Claudius Roll is sinking, then people need to spend the time reaching out. Many times I've been asked by people who are just plain lay people. They're not, they're not rabbis. They're not what they call cure of professionals. What can I do to, to help? And the answer is that loads of things you can do to help. You can, not during COVID, but you can invite people to your house for Shabbos. You could, um, you could learn with people. You can get them involved. There are so many things that a person can do in order to, to, um, to, to get other people involved. You could tell them about Shi'urim, introduce them to somebody who could help them. There are a million different little things that a person can do to get other people involved. But the point of the matter is that Whatever the need is for Klal Yisrael, if you see there's a gap, there's a problem, be a man. I once heard from my Rebbe, Shlomo Volba, he was talking about the plethora of Svarim that are written today. There are a lot of scholarly works on Torah, which are all wonderful and all are good. But he said that years ago, people were hesitant to write books to write Svarim, they were hesitant. They wrote books where it was necessary. If there was a purpose, there was something to, to, to gain by writing the book, not just for people reading their words, but there was, there was a necessity. Then they wrote books, like the Chavetz Chaim, saw that the generation was lax in the laws of Lashon Hara. People were talking ill about one another. And you, you see it today, that people even today talk ill about one another and they're not allowed to. So the Chavetz Chaim wrote a, a literal handbook, a Shulchan Aruch, a code of Jewish law concerning the laws of Lashon Hara. So he, he stood in the gap and he wrote about what he was 
what was was important for his generation. There was years ago a one of the earlier uh, commentaries. Um, he, he wrote the the Sefer Smag, Sefer uh, Mitzvahs Gedolos, which was a commentary on all 613 commandments. He was a preacher. He was a Talmud of I don't remember his name offhand, but he was a Talmud of Rabbeinu Yitzchak, one of the Bali Tosfos, and he used to travel from a place to place, city to city, and he would see what mitzvos uh, the, the community was lax in, and he would give shiurim and then to remind people, he would give classes to remind people the lessons that they learned, he would write it down, and people would copy it, and he would leave it in the town as, as a reminder for people. Well, he had a, a dream, and angels came to him in a dream, an angel came to him in a dream, and told him, that his work is exceedingly pleasing for Hashem. He should gather up the manuscripts in the different towns that he had that he had uh, that he had taught in, and compile them into a book. And he did so and continued onwards until he had all 613 commandments as a as a sefer called Smag Sefer Mitzvahs Gedolos, very famous uh, sefer. It's used all the time among 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 Torah scholars. So people did things for a reason, for a purpose, because it was necessary, not just random, randomly. And that's the importance of, of uh, the makam she'ein anashim. Look around and, and see what's lacking in your shul, in your community, in Kal Yisrael, and see what you could do to help, because this is very, very important. <clears throat> Let's see the next Mishnah, part of the next Mishnah in the limited time that we have, and we'll, we'll start the next Mishnah. Uh, Hillel said further, Af hu roeh He saw a skull that was floating on the water. Amr he said to the skull, Al da'ateft atufach, I'm sorry, v'sov matifayich yitufun. Because you drowned somebody, you yourself were drowned, and the end of the person who drowned you is going to be drowning himself, meaning he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. The commentaries say that this mission is not to be taken literally. Not every person who, who killed somebody by drowning will end up suffering the exact same fate. And not everybody that did something wrong to somebody else exactly is going to end up suffering that exact, exact same punishment. It doesn't work that way. But what Hillel means to say is when a person causes, it's an important thing, when a person causes somebody to, to be injured, to be damaged, or certainly he kills somebody, then it's worthy for him to die, mida connected mida, measure for measure, in the exact same way that he caused the person damage, harm, or even he killed him. However, sometimes there are mitigating circumstances. Sometimes there are people who caused, uh, who did uh, did good deeds in their lives, and sometimes there are people who, so to speak, Hashem cannot afford to harm them because they're so valuable for Claudius well for the world that Hashem keeps them alive. Now, take a look at the, the Gemara tells us in Masech Yuma, the Gemara says that, that I'm sorry, Masech Tzuyuma, the Gemara tells us that there was a, a one of the Amorayim named Ula once explained, he said that, take a look at 
the two nations of Ammon and Moab. Ammon and Moab were both very wicked nations. They were cruel and they were and they were rapacious uh, nations. But yet Hashem didn't destroy them. And why didn't Hashem destroy them? Because our sages tell us that because of Shtei Prados, there were two gozlos, two doves that were destined to come out of Ammon and Moab. There, were, there was Rus and Moavia and Nama Hamonis. Rus ended up marrying Boaz and she produced David Melech, and through her came Melech HaMashiach. She came from Moab, and Nama was the wife of Shlomo HaMelech, and she was the mother of Rechavim. Through Rechavim continued the Davidic dynasty, eventually resulting in, in Mashiach. So because of these two women who were righteous, Hashem preserved an entire nation. So Hashem did not kill Moab didn't destroy Moab, even though they were deserving of it, didn't destroy Ammon, even though they were deserving of it, because there needed to be a cradle to be able to, many generations in the future, uh, produce and bring up this Rus and this Nama in order to have benefit for the world. So Hashem certainly was going to punish Moab and Ammon for the Averis that they did, but Hashem kept them alive for that reason. And so it is that every all people have a mitigating uh, circumstance, not all people, but many people have mitigating circumstances, and uh, this is the reason why Hashem sometimes, um, sometimes uh, delays or even changes uh, punishment for people. I'm reminded of the story, the, the statement, the very um, a very, um, um, what's it called, poignant statement of the Belzer Rebbe. The great Belzer Rebbe, Baron Belz, managed to escape the inferno of Europe, and he made his way to Territ Israel. He was a great man. And he was asked once how World War II would end. So he said World War II could end either by natural means or by miraculous means. And the man asked him for elucidation. He said natural means would be millions of angels coming down from heaven with swords of fire, destroying every single German in the entire country and everyone in Austria and all the people in Poland. That would be natural means. Miraculous means would be that the American, Russian, and British army will attack and destroy the Germans. That's what he said. Exactly the opposite of what you would think. So that's what Hill is telling us, that the bottom line is that nothing at all goes unwatched. Nothing goes uncalculated. Everything, there's a, there's, a, uh, there's, a, there's a cause for everything, and everything that a person does in life for good or for not, not good is going to have a, is going to have, is going to have a self, is going to have, going to have an end. I'll leave you with a, with a positive story that I read, a great story that, that I read. And, and this is something to tell over uh, to the kids. It's actually a story within a story. There was once a young fellow who was a young boy, was in shul. And young, he was nine years old. He was in shul. And he, at the shul, davening had ended. And he was walking back and forth, finishing up davening. And he didn't notice who else was in the shul. And the Vilna Gon was doing the exact same thing. After davening, he was saying to Hillam, and he was pacing back and forth. So this boy was going through the width of the shul, and the Vilna Gon was going through the length of the shul. And at one point, the boy was very absorbed in his davening, 
and he stepped on the Vilnagon's talus, and he, uh, the Vilnagon said, uh, said something to him, and the boy looked up and he saw he was standing on the Vilnagon's talus, and he, he panicked, and he couldn't move, he couldn't talk. And the Vilnagon calmed him down. He said to him in Yiddish, he said, you should live, he said, it's okay, it's fine. You should live till 100 years old. Just please step off of my talus. So the boy realized that he was standing on his talus and he stepped off of his talus and the Vilnagon continued and the boy uh, continued. The boy went home with tremendous joy and he told his parents, the Vilnagon just gave me a blessing that I should live to 100 years. In those years, by the way, our 120, you tell people, so Stelebim is 120, you should live to 120. That, those years, he used to give the blessing to 100. So when this fellow... This little nine-year-old boy, as years passed, became 98 years old. He got sick for the very first time in his life. And his grandchildren uh, at that time wanted to call a doctor. And he said, no, don't call a doctor. And they said, no, but you're, you're sick, Zaidi. We need to call a doctor for you. He said, it's a waste of money. Do not call a doctor. I'm not going to die. So uh, they called a the doctor anyway. And the doctor treated him. And... The, 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 the grandfather said, Kindlach, he said, the Vilnagain promised me a hundred years. I'm not being Mavater on even one day of it. And I'm going to have my full 100 years. On his hundredth birthday, he was healthy. He was fine. He was sane completely, but he went into his bed. He wrote up his last will and testament. He blessed all of his remaining children and grandchildren and he closed his eyes and he died. <laughs> the only guy promised him that. So for the merit just of stepping off of the Vilnagon's talus, he managed to live for 100 years. And I'll tell you a story within that story, interesting story. There was a woman who once used to, the, the, the Ayurlaib of Metz was actually a colleague of the Vilnagon. They lived at the same time. And he was a great tzaddik, a great Talmud Chacham. He wrote the Sefer Shagas Aryeh, very famous, <coughs> another Svarim Gvurasari. And the Shagas Aryeh, as he was known by the name of a Sefer, this woman used to bake him two chalas every single week for Shabbos. And he was very thankful for her. And he told her, he gave her a blessing, that one day you're going to merit to become very wealthy and you'll be Zohar to build a shul here in, in Europe. I think it was in Volazhin, and you'll be Zoha, you'll merit to go to Eretz Yisrael and to build a shul there as well. So his, his blessing came true and she became wealthy and she donated money and she built this very big shul. I believe it was in Volazhin. It was called Chavala's Shul. Her name was Chava. So it was called Chavala's Shul. She built the shul. And as she got on in years, she wow, wanted to go to... Providing office, residential, local and... She wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael so she could fill the second part of her blessing that she would build a, a shul in Eretz Yisrael. So she, she made arrangements to move to Eretz Yisrael and she wanted to say goodbye to all the different Rabbanim that she had become acquainted with throughout the years. So she stopped into the great Rabbi Chaim of Elijah, a Talmud of the Vilnagon, and she said goodbye to him. And Chaim Velazhin asked her why she was going. And she said, she had this blessing from the Shagas Aryeh. And before she dies, she wants to fulfill this blessing of building a shul in Eretz Yisrael. So Chaim Velazhin said, you're looking at it completely wrong. 
she said, he said, if the Shaikh Arya promised that you will build a shul in Eretz Yisrael, you will build a shul in Eretz Yisrael. Why do you need to rush to fulfill the mitzvah and then die? Stay here longer and take your time <laughs> because it's going to happen. So everything that a person does, whether it's for good or whether it's for not good, there's a calculation that causes an effect. The person will certainly be rewarded and punished in the world to come, but Hillel is telling us that even in this world, if not for mitigating circumstances, we very clearly see the exact same reward and punishment meted out to a person, punishment especially, meted out to a person in, in this world. And sometimes it actually happens that we see the exact same thing that a person did was, was, was done to him as well. We'll stop here. Very important lessons from Pirkei Avos. And Mitzvah Shem will continue with Mishnah Ches next time.